I couldn't go work anywhere doing private events in America because nobody knows me, which is why I'm selling zero ticket. I say, my show is at four o'clock. There's a flight at 9.30 to England. Then there's a connection. I can go back to France or Portugal, wherever I have my business. Everybody wants to make business with me in France because I've been working there for decades. I say, I'm going to do my show on Sunday night. I'm going to take a flight. I'm going to go in France. I'm going to sleep in the airplane. When I arrive, I'm jet lagged. So that means that I can do as many shows as I can, one after the other, after the other, after the other, making enough money. Drive back to Geneva, where the closest airport was, so I could take the earliest flight in Switzerland. I sleep on the floor of the airport every single time, on the tiles of the floor of the airport. I take a flight back to US. I come with enough money to pay the next rent. And I did that for one year. One year. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome. You are in it for a treat, ladies and gentlemen. I've got Frederick Da Silva in with me today from Vegas. And if you don't know who he is, you are about to find out. He runs the Paranormal Show at, well, let me not start there. I'm going to back up. Frederick, how are you, brother? Let's start there. I'm very good. Very happy. 12 o'clock, noon here. Beautiful weather behind me. It's the perfect weather right now in Vegas. Four hours before doing the show. Thank you very much for your invitation. It's such a pleasure. Grateful to have you here, man. I started to go into all this stuff of where you are now, and I don't like doing that, man. Let's unpack this journey because it is one of the most fascinating ones that I've ever seen. So let's take it back. You're not originally from the U.S., correct? Absolutely not. Just coming here in the U.S. was a very difficult and long journey. I grew up in France. My family is from Portugal, from a very small village in Portugal. But yeah, United States was the Eldorado for us. Yeah, definitely not from here, very far away, very different culture. I was not meant to leave here when I grew up and the way I was born. So how'd you know that you wanted to come to America? I had somebody message me on Instagram and he's like, man, I feel like I should just leave America. You can't be successful here. There's so many people trying to hold me back and keep me down. And I was like, I, I've been a lot of places. I think America is a place where you can transcend the different classes and education is part of that. What made you want to come to America? And then tell us about your journey to get here. Well, do you want me to start from the beginning? I do. All right. So let's start with the beginning. I'm five years old and Santa Claus gives me a magic box. And uh, afterwards, I realized that Santa Claus for children is almost like God for adults, right? It's this guy somewhere in the sky. You don't know where he is, but he's watching you. He knows exactly what you want. And I unpacked the package for Christmas and, and this guy is giving me a magic box with all the secrets of the universe, the secrets that nobody knows. And it's for me. And he's giving toy cars to my cousins. 
And this is the most important day of my life. I remember that, like absolutely remember that, like if it was a few hours ago. I think that someone from above, from the universe has chosen me, the young Frederick, to become a magician and have a knowledge that people don't have and have the secrets and everything. I take that extremely seriously. I think I have a mission now to become a magician. I know at the very moment, at that very moment, I understand my entire life will be dedicated to magic. And, uh, and, and it has been the case. I'm now 41 and I dedicated my entire life to magic. I also understand that people don't understand that and they're not going to perceive that because Santa Claus put this in my heart and he didn't put it in other people's hearts. So I clearly understand that what happened in my mind at that moment in my heart, no one will understand that. And I should not be mad for people not understanding my vision and, and my dream. I start performing to my family, to my friends, to everybody. And everybody's like, Frederick, this is amazing. You're the greatest magician. Of course, they were doing that because I was a cute five years old child. But I still believe that even the easiest magic tricks that I was doing at that age were really fooling people. And now I'm in the situation where I'm five years and, you know, adults are everything when you, when you are that age, right? And I'm now five years doing things that adults don't comprehend, don't understand. And I think that this is a very interesting thing for me in the future. It educated me to understand that whatever I feel in my heart, whatever I'm doing, other people might don't understand that, but I still love them the same way. But I know for sure that I have to follow whatever feels right to me because it's not normal when you're five years to do things that adult can't understand right away, right at the beginning here. There's something that is very unusual for a child. I perform, people clap, people were tipping me, my family had a little hat, people were having a great time, people were enjoying me so much performing that I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So one day, I wanted to buy some little speakers to go to a vacation in Portugal because the, the, where I was going for two months, was, there was nothing to do. And my mom told me, why don't you go to that little street where there are restaurants in the village I was living and perform magic in the restaurants and people will tip you with that money. You can buy your little speakers. I'm 13 years. So I take my bicycle. I go there. I do what my mom told me. It's a huge success. I go from one restaurant to another restaurant and I come back with so much money, coins, that I had more money than I needed. And it was actually so fantastic that one of the restaurant's owner told me, would you like to come back, but we will pay you so you don't go to the other restaurants. You just do magic for my clients. So from that day, I was already starting every day of the week, every Friday. I remember that. Every Friday I was working in that restaurant. And soon another restaurant noticed me and say, would you like to come on Thursday? And then another restaurant told me, would you like to come on Saturday? So by the age of 13, I'm in business. I'm working almost four days a week at night and I'm still waking up at five o'clock in the morning doing my homework because I'm still at school and I spend my day at school. So working hard has always been something that, that I mean, my life is work, but I enjoy working. You know that saying that if you love what you do, uh, you will never work one day of your life. So at the age of 18, I come to Las Vegas for the first time. And I realize for sure that I'm sitting in front of the 
Bellagio fountains. And in front of the Bellagio, you know, in between two shows of the fountains, I'm, I'm watching what I'm seeing. And just in front of me is Bally's Hotel, now called the Horseshoe, where I perform. And I have that thought. The magnitude of it is so incredible that I knew that it will mess up my life for the years to come. I look at the TVs, at the giant TV screens outside of the marquee, and I say, I need to have my show here. I need to see my show displaying on these screens. And at the very same second, I say, oh no, that, that idea will never leave me. And now I'm going to have to go through the pain and suffering and uh, challenge for the years to come. And that was a dream that was highly improbable to achieve, but I didn't give up. So how did I end up in America? Just coming to America is a nightmare. You need a visa. I couldn't get a visa. They all told me you need to do, start to do competitions in the world of magic and win. So you can show to America that you're the best in your field. And that's what I did. I hated to do competition, but I still did it and I won. And then I applied for a visa and then I came here and then I still couldn't get a, a showroom in Las Vegas because they didn't want to give me one. I start performing on the street. At some point, they finally gave me a chance for a six weeks contract. And on day one, so I put all my money on advertisement to put my face on the Las Vegas magazine because I can't mess up this moment. And on day one, I sold zero tickets. So it was, the it was the beginning of a second life of struggle. So then it's been a long story. And then we've finally been here for 10 years. You win the competition, right? And I guess you show somebody over here that you won the competition. And that's why you were able to get a visa. And you say, I'm going to come to America. I'm going to perform magic on Las Vegas. And they say, all right, sure, buddy, come on. And so you're doing magic on the street. In front of the horseshoe, what's called the yeah. horseshoe now, right? Yeah. So you put all of your money, yeah. your last money in for marketing. Yes, because I don't want to mess shows up this up. moment. Nobody shows up. During the time I arrived for the first time at 18, before they gave me a chance, there's 12 years of constantly coming back every month to try to knock at every door so someone can give me a theater to perform. 12 years. During 12 years, I was working in France. Three weeks, that's what I needed to make $1,000. Working, during the day, I was even working in like Walmart, doing magic tricks to people to have people attention to sell detergents. Oh, look, you have a stain here and I make a little black handkerchief appear and I put the detergent and now it's completely clean. I was doing everything. I was doing that during the day at night. I was going in cabarets. I was doing one cabaret at eight. Then I was going to another cabaret at 10 and another one at midnight. And I remember that sometimes there were people hiring me to go to perform in their showroom when the show was already over, like two o'clock in the morning. There's a guy who say, ladies and gentlemen, the entire show of all the performance is over. If you want to wait, there's a guy who's going to come at 2.30 in the morning and he, what he does is amazing. You can leave or you can stay. Some people were staying. Then I arrived in the middle of the night after performing all day long. And I was, so I was doing that so I could come back to America, try to knock as many doors as I can. The problem in Las Vegas specifically is you have two casino brands. They own the entire strip almost. You have MGM, Seasons Entertainment. And what I didn't know 
is that every casino, the, the group has only one director of entertainment, Jerome. So the problem is once the guy at Flamingo told you no, the next day you go to Horseshoe and it's the same guy and you go to Caesar's Palace and it's the same guy. And the guy told you, I've been telling you for years, we don't want you. And you know what? I never took it the wrong way. I never thought that this guy didn't want me. I was like, it's extraordinary that these people don't know I'm going to have a show in Las Vegas one day. And I felt so blessed that the universe had allowed me to see the future so clearly, so brightly. And he obviously chose me because nobody knows that truth. And it fascinated me that people keep telling me no when I knew that this will happen regardless. How powerful it is. And later, I mean, nowadays, I'm like, what a fantastic way to approach failure. I never considered once that I had failed. Never. Never. I thought that I'm way stronger than people because I know what's going to happen. And they obviously don't. Fantastic. Thank God. Thank the universe for giving me that gift, that clarity, that, that certainty. I knew that it will happen. I knew there was nothing that would, ha I will have my show in Las Vegas one day. There's nothing you can do about it. You can tell me no. Doesn't matter. It's not going to change the final outcome. So yeah, so that was a long journey. So just get a show in Las Vegas was a nightmare. I was performing on the street and they were kicking me off saying, this is a private property. We don't want you here. Amazing. A life of struggle, <laughs> but it was a fantastic journey regardless. So. Where did the unshakable faith come from? Because there is nothing along the way. Maybe there is. Maybe you'll tell us. But based on what you've shared with us to this point, there's nothing along the way that said this was going to work. Other than you got that magic box when you were five. I knew. What can I tell you? I knew if I know something and I can see it vividly and absolutely clearly, and there's no doubt about that this is going to happen, I'm going to make it happen. I didn't know how long it will take. I don't know how much struggle I will have to go through, but I knew that it will happen. I never thought that it will not happen. Never. It never happened, not even once. It never happened once. And you know what? Maybe the magician mindset that is unique to a magician, to me, if I tell you, Jerome, tell me what would be the most amazing, impossible magic trick that I could come up with. Whatever you're going to tell me, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I'm going to do. What a fantastic idea. I'm not going to say, no, it's impossible. I ask you, what's the most impossible thing to do? I'll figure it out. So you, I never really considered that I was failing. I was just looking for the trick, like you show me a card trick. And for the rest of my life, I have to figure out how it works. But if it's impossible to figure out, the more difficult it is, I know that the best the trick will be because you will never figure out yourself. Nobody figure out yet exactly how I ended up by having a show in Las Vegas that has last 10 years. It's the most magic. It, it was the most beautiful magic trick I could pull off is how a guy like me who come from nowhere ended up in Las Vegas with David Copperfield, Chris Angel, uh, Celine Dion, Adele, and ended up having the show here for longer than anybody else. I thought I figured it was a magic trick that I had to figure out how it was done. And, and so I know it's possible. I know it can be done. I just haven't figured out yet, but I will. So no failure. Failure doesn't exist. I just don't understand. The, uh, for me, I never considered I was failing. I, I was looking for the trick. 
Nobody bought tickets the first night. Then what happened? Yeah. So what happened is I called the box office and they told me we sold zero tickets and the next day zero and zero the next week. This is the most messed up moment of my life. I'm now, I was 30, 25 years of my life towards to one direction, asking one chance that I know that might never come back, particularly if I fail, it's probably more difficult for people to give you a second chance. When you've been begging for so long and people tell you a chance and you fail, then just being fresh and say, let's give this guy a chance. We don't know. I cannot give up for whatever reason. I can't give up. You have to understand, guys, that this is the only thing I want. I'm not interested in, I'm not married. I don't have children. I'm not interested in anything else. I don't play video games. I don't have TV at home. I'm not on the apps. This is the only thing I want. So if I give up, my life will be boredom, extraordinary. After one hour, I don't know what to do. This is the only thing I've been doing. So what do you want me to do? Gave up? Then do what? Sit on a chair? I couldn't give up. So I had to find out a way. So same thing. All right. Very difficult magic trick to pull off now. It's like being on stage and everything goes wrong. What are you going to do? Cry? Leave the stage? No, you have to figure out a plan and you have to find a plan immediately. I knew I will be broke by the end of the week because I had no money. So they gave me a six weeks contract. I know I can't pay the rent and the staff for the next week because I put everything on marketing. So I know that in four days, I'm done. The rent is coming on Monday. It's Thursday. I perform from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. On Monday, I have to pay my rent. I don't have the money. So here's my idea. I say, Frederick, your residence in Vegas is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I couldn't go work anywhere doing private events in America because nobody knows me, which is why I'm selling zero ticket. I say, my show is at four o'clock. There's a flight at 9.30 to England. Then there's a connection. I can go back to France or Portugal, wherever I have my business. Everybody wants to make business with me in France because I've been working there for decades. I say, I'm going to do my show on Sunday night. I'm going to take a flight. I'm going to go in France. I'm going to sleep in the airplane. When I arrive, I'm jet lagged. So that means that I can do as many shows as I can, one after the other, after the other, after the other, making enough money. Drive back to Geneva, where the airport, the closest airport was, so I could take the earliest flight in Switzerland. I sleep on the floor of the airport every single time, on the tiles of the floor of the airport. I take a flight back to US. I come with enough money to pay the next rent, and I did that for one year. One year. And after one year, people start to write reviews online. We become the number one rated show in Las Vegas, 4.9 out of 5 stars, something ridiculous. Even the Wall Street Journal wrote a paper saying how this guy ranks higher than Celine Dion in Las Vegas. And after one year, people come back, bringing other people, and I could finally focus on my residency. I, wait, you flew back to Europe once a yes. week for every, every Sunday, sleeping on the airplane, arrived there, not sleep, performing three, four, five shows, whatever I could. I had 48 hours. Go back to Geneva at 5.30 in the morning. There was a flight back to the United States. Arrive here for, for Thursday before 4 o'clock. Pay my rent. Go on stage. I didn't have a driver license because I didn't have time to take it. I had a driver license, I don't know, at the age of 37, 38. I was driving a moped to go work 
and I was driving my moped and there was huge buses with my face, which was very funny. I didn't have a, I didn't have a car until 2017. And I took a driver license because the law changed in Nevada and I couldn't even drive my little moped without a driver license. So I say, okay, I need to take my driver license now. Everything was about work. So it was not fun all the time. It was, my life was pain and struggle. Nowadays, people see me and see how successful are these guys are fantastic. My entire life was more struggle and pain than just enjoying success. But I'm fine with that. It's the life that I decided to have. So you fly back and forth. You get the money. You pay the rent because the show wasn't paying for itself. Do you keep doing marketing too with money? No, or no, 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 bro. More? I'm broke. I have no money to put the marketing. I had the money to put the marketing when I started because I had worked 15 years. The marketing in Las Vegas is ridiculously expensive. You're competing with Bruno Mars. And even Bruno Mars is not taking every billboard for a reason. I don't care how much I pay to get to the next step. I don't care. I'm going to die anyway. I want to go to the next step. If that next step is 10 years of my life, I don't care. I'm in the next step now. Life is not interesting if there's no progression. Seeing a number growing up on my bank account doesn't save me a lifetime. Nothing. It's delusional. Say more about that. Money in your bank account makes you delusional. You can't get, you can't get back to time. It's the most valuable thing. You will end up sick anyway. You're going to die anyway. I have a very morbid way to see life. And I think that's also what forces me to work all the single time, to not waste my time. Just before we got this interview, I was at the gym. I don't have TV at home, but they have these TVs uh, everywhere. I'm watching. I'm not watching. It's displaying. The price is right. I didn't know that TV show was still on. And obviously, I see, I notice a lot of very vivid colors, like blue and that kind of thing that capture your interest. I've been fascinated in, in manipulation of the mind for ever. I do it in a good way to entertain people and hopefully to shock them a little bit so I can trigger some interesting thoughts about life. But yeah, this is just, and, and now these people, honestly, look like clowns. Someone called their name and they go in this way, exaggerated joy and happiness and start to dance. I'm mind blown to see that. And then they go in that, that crazy mood because they have a chance to win a, a washing machine that they already have at home. I, I, I'm mind blown. And then I'm like, Frederick, are these people happier than you? Ooh. Looks like. Do I want to be like these people? Definitely not. Definitely not. Then two minutes later, I come back and I see, and I still think it's the TV show and it's advertisement. The advertisement looks exactly like the TV show. It's a guy with a microphone talking and people uh, being happy. And you understand how we've been manipulated all the time. These TV game shows have been created just to put some advertisement so you can spend your money on what they want you to spend your money. So they keep you in a very average life, right? where you work eight or 10 hours a day, you come home and on your day off, you watch this and the small amount of money you have, this, they want you to invest in this and that. It's ridiculous. I'm shocked that people don't honor it absolutely pissed off and don't do anything about it. But I guess I respect every way of living and for some people being happy and feeling joy is very important. 
And uh, I don't have any lesson to give to anybody, but I just know that it's impossible for me. I pursue other values than just laugh watching something dumb thing on TV. So what do you pursue? What are the values that you're pursuing? I think I like to do very difficult things to do and things that are stressful and things that uh, people don't have the courage to go through uh, to maybe carry myself with some pride and achievement. And uh, I like to dedicate my entire life in one thing. And uh, at the end of the show, every single day, I run from the backstage to go to the meet and greet because people immediately leave the theater to see me. And I have that ritual every day. I wash my hands, I'm in front of the mirror and I'm like, there is nothing I could have done today that would be so powerful, so worth doing than my show for 10,000 times. It just doesn't matter. I could go in, I could go buy a sport car. I could go on a yacht. You could bring me girls. It will still not be that moment to be on stage and that connection with the audience. It's almost like I can see through their heart through their soul, that moment when you touch people's hearts, is it's worth everything. It's worth every struggle I had in my life. Every minute I put in it was worth it. It's so pure. It's so that moment when the performer is on stage and it's the end of the show and people are standing up and they want to give you high fives and they wait online to, to hug you or take a picture with you or tell you the great time they had. You can see through their soul almost. You can see that perfection that every, that the universe within each of us, that moment is so genuine, so close to perfection, so close to God that it, it's worth absolutely everything I struggled in my life for. It's absolutely worth it. There's nothing I, there's nothing you can do to that level. What do you want to do? Stay home, watch TV play video games and these things it's so mundane this so what you're talking about i call taking the red pill where people are actually tuned into what's really happening and not ignorant bliss where they're just coasting above and nothing actually matters like you're talking about true mission work you've said multiple times you can see into their soul what do you see when you look into the soul a lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. They often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, aka the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. I'm a one-man show. I have 200 people in front of me watching me, and I'm the only one who can watch them, right? Even in their semi-darkness. My job as a mentalist on stage is to break every barrier of criticism. Oh, I don't believe in this. You have a lot of barriers at the beginning. I'm a skeptic. I don't think this is real. This, the people on stage probably work for him. My job is to break these barriers. So at some point you can just enjoy it and just relieve completely 
your criticism or your analytic mind to just completely let it go. Exactly like when you were in a movie and at some point you completely forgot that you're watching the movie, you're absolutely immersed in this. And then you start to get emotional, you start to cry, you start to laugh. You, your brain stopped to understanding that this is just a movie. You, you're really in, completely immersed in, in that movie. And that's what I try to do in my show. I try to break every single thing that you can put against. And, and, and then and I see the child on you. I see people start to have tears in their eyes. I start, people start to be triggered to laugh to a certain time. These emotions go up and down. And this is when you see who truly people are. That big guy who was like this at the beginning is completely disarmed at some point. And that, that, that's what I see that I'm, it feels like I'm going straight to your soul because every barrier has opened. And it's so beautiful. It's so difficult to do that nowadays. I, I came up with a system. I came up, I, I put more love in and more work in understanding my audience. And my audience are just human beings. I think that anybody else in the industry of show business, and, and this is where I think the way I approach things are very different. Usually, you know, I, Magicians in particular have a lot of ego. And if you put a music, you arrive on stage, you appear, you put the girl in the box or whatever you do, you actually don't even need an audience, right? You could just be filming this and find yourself fantastic. There's no connection with the audience. It's all about the guy on stage is fantastic and he can do something that you cannot, right? I really don't like that approach, right? To say I'm smarter than you because I can do that and you can't, not very interesting to me. And that's certainly not the way you connect with an audience. So my goal is to almost pretend that I'm doing nothing and things are just happening. They're just incredible. Now I ask you to think of something and that the other guy guessed or whatever happens. You know, I don't touch you, but you feel it. But I did nothing. So I don't like to take the credit on me, you know. So then the, the, the mystery, it, more probably more uh, close to something that is more philosophical about the life and the mystery of the universe than just, I can make cards appear out of nowhere. The cards are somewhere, right? If I make a, a car appear on stage, nobody believes that this card didn't exist. You know that the card was hidden somewhere. Come on. If I make a bird appear on stage, nobody knows that this bird didn't exist in this planet. Uh, one second ago, it's just been created like that. Or if it's not on the sleeve, it's on the jacket, or it's somewhere under the table. You know that bird exists somewhere and he was just hidden. It's not believable. There's no brainstorm in your brain the same way that if you see something that has no props, no nothing, that you can't backtrack, it just happened but in your mind that you don't know how to explain. So the interest, number one for me, is look at people, look how they react and how can I touch their emotion and their heart more than just, I'm going to show you something amazing that you can't do because now it's me against you and I'm really not interested in doing that. So I always say I love my audience way more than I love magic. Love's a strong word. Love's a really strong word. It seems like in the beginning, magic was your love. When did the audience become more important than the magic? I always think that the motivation is to please an audience. 
You know that magic is probably the only art that the performer cannot really enjoy doing himself because I am the only one who knows how this is done. The magic never happens for me. If I want that magical, if I want to live my life living that magical moment, the only way I have is to create that for you in your heart, in your mind, and being connected with you enough, strongly enough, then that reaction that I got from you, I can take a little bit and put it here. I say, wow, that seemed to be very cool. I'm taking it a little bit from me. That, that was nice. Even if it's 20%, it's still very cool to me. Otherwise, I, I can't feed myself with magical moments because I, I, I'm in control of the situation. I know how it works. I have to do that for you to take something back. It, it, it's very given. Otherwise, I can, I, I can do anything at home. By, I can do a painting at my home and find it fantastic. But magic is very different. You need the other people. You need the interaction. You need the exchange yes. in order for you to get what you want out of it. You can't. This is truly service, right? It's not look at me how great I am. It's let me instill wonder. Let me allow you to suspend your disbelief. Let me expand what's possible for you. Let's yes. break whatever the rules are so that you can become limitless. Yes. So I'm working with you. Of course, I'm doing something, but particularly for mind reading magic, there's no props, there's no nothing. So it's clearly you need an audience, you need a spectator to create something. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. So you are my medium to take the reward. Without you, it just doesn't exist. I'm not going to read my mind and say, okay, I have a number in my mind. Maybe it's 34. Yeah. Can't do it on myself for sure. Can't do it in front of a mirror. I can't do it on uh, YouTube and film myself and do something. I do need someone. And also, I, I think that love for the audience came up by coming in Las Vegas and sell zero tickets. It's always the same thing. When you started tough, the victory has a very different taste. A beautiful victory is a victory that was difficult to get. Mm. I dedicated my entire life, 25 years, to come to Vegas to meet with an audience. And the audience were not here. Nobody. It's messed up. It is messed up. I did all these things to be able to meet with an audience. So people always ask me, why don't you charge to go to the meet and greet? Everybody charge. Why don't you sell merchandise? Why don't you sell t-shirts and try to make money? First of all, I, I don't come from America. So money is a very, we have a very different approach of money in, in my country. So people don't really care about money. So money has never been a big thing for me. I'm not pursuing money. So I never sell anything. I don't have merchandise. But also, how could I charge people when I have spent my entire life hoping that some people will come to see my show? And now they're coming and I can make a living and I make a lot of money accidentally just by consequence. And now I'm going to charge for people to take a picture with me? No, it's just not me. I can't do that. It's impossible. I will never do that. I think it's, it's disgraceful. Uh, I've been waiting for these people all my life. What am I going to do now? I'm going to charge you to sign an autograph? Come on, that's disgusting. You actually appreciate uh, the people. And then what? I'm going to end up the show and going home and there's people who want to talk to me. What kind of life is that? Can't leave the stage and just go home knowing that there's people here and everybody goes home. 
what the, what is that? We just created something that we experienced together. And now everybody goes home because the 80 minutes is over. I don't, what, and then what? I go home. It's crazy. You come see my show. I want to meet with you. Let's talk. Look, you came to the meet and greet. We talk. And now here we are. This is how the, this podcast would not exist. It would not exist. Yeah. You had a beautiful soul. You had a beautiful smile. You were impeccable. I knew that you were a great guy. You told me, hey, I'm, would you like to do my podcast? And I say, absolutely. It took a few months, but uh, here we are. I'm glad to, I'm glad that, that uh, we are now friends. I'm still trying to figure out because you mentioned like the people that are on stage, they work for you and I'm on stage, right? First, you take my watch. Nobody works for me on stage. Nobody, Nobody works, works, for, works for you. Nobody. Nobody. No, there's no plans. There's no actors. There is uh, no assistance backstage. There's no electronic gimmicks. There's no earpiece. There's no hidden cameras. Nothing. Well, how do you? I draw the picture on the board and then you draw the picture. There's different magic, right? There's cards. There's cut a person in half. There's mentalists. There's all these things. But the one that you do is for me the most mind blowing because you're literally and if there's no headphones, if there's no cameras, if there's no stuff, right? Like you literally have to go into somebody else's mind to understand what they're doing so that you can predict what's going to happen and show the other people in the audience that you knew what that person was going to do. You talk about connection, but there's intimacy there too, right? Because they've right. got to trust you enough to let you in. And right. so for me, this is so much bigger than an act or a show and like the reverence that you hold the audience in it digs into the fact that you see it as more than that as well yes that probably relates to the most important thing for me which is connecting with an audience so to every level you can feel and see that they're on stage with a piece of music and never communicate with an audience so, of course, it helps me even during the show to connect with an audience and, and, and be able to do my mind tricks or whatever. But yeah, you on stage, you make a drawing and I draw even blindfold. I, I put some details in the drawing that you know that even if someone was feeding me with an earpiece, just draw, draw a house or a cat. Or, no, it's exact. It, it, you can, can tell that there are details that you can't even tell to someone. And there are no electronic, there are no, there, there's no cameras, there, there's no earpiece. I mean, people check my ears during the show and you can go anywhere you want to hide yourself. And then I still do the things at the meet and greet anyway. So yeah, I can't tell you how it works, <laughs> but, but I had to work out your critical factor, your intelligence and all these beautiful things that uh, God gave you. Uh, I have to trickle them in a way that uh, uh, nobody can understand that. And and again, it, it's back to when I was five years and I was doing magic tricks and my family couldn't understand. It's a very different way to approach the world. And and sometimes I feel very lonely because of that. I feel that I can't trust anybody because I see, you know, in my audience, I had astronauts, I had politicians, I had presidents of different countries. I have very smart people. I have doctors all the time and they come to the meet and greet and I say, come on, there's no way I'm a doctor. I, I don't understand. I don't understand how you do what you do. And I'm like, maybe one day I will need to go to the doctor. I don't know if you, I, I can't really express this feeling. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to go. It feels to me that if, if me, Frederick, the guy who comes from Portugal, 
stands up every day in front of a crowd. And no matter how many people, after decades and decades of doing that, I never had anybody pull, pull off the way I do what I do. These are the people that hopefully are going to find a cure if I get sick. I feel that we are so limited. It's such a lesson of humility that I see, even for myself, I'm like, we are nothing. We know nothing. That guy who is an astronaut still doesn't know how I pull off what I just did. This has to be something so bigger in the universe that not, we are not even aware of. Like really, in, in a world where we think we know everything, I'm telling you, we know nothing, brother. Just come see my show and it will put your <laughs> ego on the side because you will. It, it, it has to do something in your brain that hopefully says, wait a second. Yeah, we know nothing. Just this guy alone on stage does stuff that we don't understand. So I probably don't understand anything about the universe. And we want to, we hope to, we listen to our heart, but we, I, I, I think I don't know anything for sure. It's exciting to try to figure it out, but I don't even think I'm capable of having any answer for sure. So what's more powerful, love or an idea? The idea from, come from what? From something that was in your mind, in your brain? What is an idea for what? an idea for an act, a trick. Why would I want to do that? Always the same thing. Why do I want to do that? Why do I want to meet these people today? Love. I love doing this. I love the way the show is constructed. I love seeing the audience. I love the way they react. I want to do it better. So in my case, any idea is always related to the same thing. What kind of idea are you talking about? It doesn't, for me, in what you do, right? Being a mentalist, it's all about, from my perspective, it's about planting ideas as seeds, right? And then, but the way you end your show, and I won't kill it for people who are going to go to Vegas and see it, but love is the overarching theme. And so it's my belief, and what I expect you to say is love is the most powerful thing out of all things, because it's the thing that allows you to connect. It's the thing that allows you to continue through all the adversity and struggle that you've been through in order to get to the place where you are today. Love is the thing that keeps you passionate. If we just go down the list, like love, from my perspective, with what you share here today and what I witnessed on stage, is the thing that's powered you and allowed you to overcome what most would consider insurmountable odds. And I don't think just the idea that you're going to be famous or the idea that you'll be on stage one day or the idea that you'll do magic would have been enough. I think at some point you would have become rational because nothing about what happened on this journey is rational. Nothing about what happened on this journey a sane person would have done. It, everybody who would have been doing this because they thought they were supposed to be doing it, right? An idea they thought they were supposed to be doing it would have stopped because it's like, there's no way that I'm supposed to be going through this. I got the show. Now I got to fly back and forth. I got to pay the rent and I can't pay the rent from the thing I'm doing. I don't have marketing money. I don't have a visa. There were all these chances for you to say, oh, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Maybe I was delusional at five when I said that this was what I was going to do. I understand what you say, and there's nothing more powerful than love. Actually, 
People can do very bad things for love because their feelings get hurt at some point. It has to be the only explanation. At the end of the show, everything goes through the real secret is about love. And I do a painting upside down, Charlie Chaplin, and I end up with this quote. And this quote is very beautiful from Charlie Chaplin. We only need power if you want to do something harmful. Otherwise, love is enough to get anything done. And I think it was important for me to end up with this quote because people always ask me if I have a special power because this is obviously what you think at the end of the show. This guy must have a power. And even though I am telling you, even if I'm a magician and magician don't give away secrets, I'm telling you that what I achieved has nothing to do with the power except the power of love. The power of love is so strong that it allows you to create amazing things. It allows you to work more than anybody else. It allows you to go through pain. It allows you to go to the suffering. It allows you to go through all these challenges. It doesn't matter because you still love doing what you do. You still love the progress. You still appreciate these little things. You still love the fact that it's still possible. You still love the fact that you don't know what tomorrow is going to be about and you're excited about that. So it's an extreme powerful force. And that's why also I, I, people always ask me, can you motivate me? Can you tell me things? I never needed motivation. It was replaced by the power of love. I, nev I never think, okay, I have to work today. Look, you can go 2024. The, the calendar for my show is going to be on sale. You can name any day of the year and come to Vegas. And if you can't see my show that day, it means that you can see the day before, the day after. I don't think, am I going to be motivated on April 9th, 2024 to do my show? No, I have to do my show anyway. It's right there. People are coming. Now they're waiting for me. Now they're going to be disappointed if I don't go on stage because I have a headache or I feel sad or I'm not motivated or, or I didn't sleep because the alarm went off in my building. No, I still, got, I still have to do the show anyway. I can't do that to people. So sometimes it's difficult to motivate people because they think that you just need to read a book or be with people that are motivated. It's always easier when you can find something in your heart that drives you naturally as a human person and discipline. Just get disciplined, bro. Just wake up every day and do the things you have to do. I will do my show regardless of what happened. I have a show to do. I'm not... I can't have a hundred people going to the box office and people there, we don't know he's late. The traffic was terrible. No, I never arrived late because the traffic was terrible. My staff does, but it never happened to me. People are traveling. They take a flight to come and see you. And now why are you going to come up with an excuse because uh, you have a little bit of pain or a headache? When you can be motivated yourself, when you can be disciplined to do the things you need to do, it's way easier than just wasting your time trying to, oh, I will do that tomorrow because I'm not motivated today. And the problem is, if you are disciplined, you will always beat with a guy that will do the things that he doesn't want to do. And I always think there has to be a guy somewhere in the universe who also wanted to have a show in Las Vegas that looks like me. And I always think that this guy is might work harder than me. If I take a day off today and he doesn't take a day off today and he never takes a day off of his entire life, then because I didn't do anything today, this guy is going to win me at the end. Is it worth it?
No, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. So I, every time when I sit on the couch and I have nothing to do for half an hour, I'm like, it's your job to find something to do. And if you can't find anything to do, I'm going to ask you to take your flyers that you hate doing. Go on the Las Vegas Boulevard and give your flyers to people like you were doing 10 years ago. Do you want to do that right now? No. Okay, you'd rather find something to do immediately. Otherwise, I'm going to send you there. And guess what, bro? I find something to do every single time. I can guarantee you that say, and people are always, oh yeah, but I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for that. I'm not doing this because then I'll have better picture. I have to build my Instagram first. I have to buy a microphone. I have to buy a new, oh, there's the new iPhone. It will have a better camera. We'll do it when we'll have the new iPhone. Oh, but wait, I need to change my haircut. I need to buy some new clothes. My teeth has to be done. Oh, I, today I have something here in my face. So I, maybe I beg to learn more about makeup. So I look better. People end up by never doing nothing. Bro, never. That's the biggest thing. Excuse all the time. If you excuse yourselves today to not do something because tomorrow, in a week, you will have something, it's never going to happen. And, and I noticed that all my life. I used to have a manager and he always push up, push limits. Okay, but we have to wait because then you'll have a better video of your show. We're going to film this better. And then, yeah, but the artwork is not good. And uh, we end up by never doing anything. The website can always be better. I do things immediately. I think about something. And I'm immediately in action. It's almost instantly. It's the best way to know if an idea will work or not. Just start to do it right away. Particularly nowadays, right? With, the, with YouTube and internet, you can learn anything for free immediately. You don't have to waste 10 years of your life at the university. You don't need that. Everybody's giving you a, a free stuff, at least free stuff. If you have an internet connection, you have no excuse. You can learn absolutely anything. Don't you think so? 100%. And taking action yeah. is the difference. It's the game. Because everything else, it just it spoils on the shelf. You're, every good idea that didn't get executed was because somebody waited to do it. Every single Absolutely. Time. Absolutely. And if it's not perfect, it's okay. You can do it 150 times, 200 times. It doesn't matter. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secret of a trick that I did in my life for television that I never share with anybody. One day I was in Portugal. I was doing, I did 300, 400, 400 TV shows in Portugal. I had to come up with new stuff all the time. So I was, the, the guy, I was, I'm live on television and the guy tell, gives me a, a lock. How do we call it? A lock with a number, phone number. Yeah, combination yes. lock. Exactly. And he tells me, this is my lock. I'm the only person who knows the number. If you can come tomorrow with this lock open, I know that you're the, the real deal. I say, no problem. Yeah, the end of the TV show, I have 24 hours. I have no idea what the code is. I started with zero, 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 001, zero, zero, 002. Zero. I have 24 hours, bro. I'm going to go with every fucking combination. I don't care. This is the only way of doing it. I don't know how else I could do. I will go with every combination. And I found the combination and I went the next day and the door and the thing was open. I could have failed 900 and I, I will still open the, I will still open the lock at some point. Doesn't matter. I will fail more than I will win, but that win is worth all the failure. So I will do it. Take action. I, I couldn't say no. So this is how I did it.
sometimes I achieve things just because people don't think that I'm crazy enough to go with the work that is necessary to do to be able to achieve that little thing. Because you think it's not important. For me, it's so important. It's extremely important. If you tell me you have to spend 10 years learning every word on the dictionary to know every position of every word, I will do it. I don't care because in 10 years from now, you can say any word. I open the dictionary. I tell you it's at that page. And you will never figure out how because your brain will not assume that I put enough work to actually do it. So you're going to look up for the secret, but you're never going to find it because there is no secret because I really do it. I did it. I just learned the dictionary, period. I went through every combination and I opened it. You just think it's silly. You just think it's too much work. You just think that it's not worth it. It's not worth it doing for you. So you assume it can't be worth doing it for me. Well, we perceive things very differently. So whatever is very important for you, you put the work that is important for me to open that blog or to just learn the dictionary. Find yourself that is valuable for you and put more work than everybody can imagine. Then you will reach then you will reach a result that has never been reached before because nobody has put that amount of time to work to get to that level. That's how people break records. And then, okay, let's say today you break the record of the guy who runs as fast in the world. So nobody else has run that distance, that amount of time. Are you still a human person? Yes. Yes. Do you have a supernatural ability? What would you say? Tough question, right? Yeah. I I would still... Probably not. So what? You're telling me that you don't have a supernatural ability when you're the only person in the world who can do something that every person in the human history has ever done. That's what happened with me. People tell me he's doing something that nobody can do. He must have a supernatural ability. And I'm telling you from my heart, this is how I end up the show. You only need power if you want to do something harmful. Otherwise, love is enough to get anything done. Oh, man, this has been a phenomenal episode. I always like to wrap these up asking, what's the one thing you want listeners to take away from this episode? In a world where you can be anything, be brave enough to be yourself. Particularly nowadays, there's so much content. There's so many people that you can look at and you want to become these people. Just spend more time talking to yourself having a conversation with yourself, asking you questions, trying to answer and find your own way. There's only one of you. When you can embrace that and being yourself, it's easier for you to play that than anybody else. It's easy for me to play Frederick de Silva. If you want to copy me, it will never look the same. But it's so easy for me. I'm just being myself. I have a big advantage to play Frederick because Frederick is me. You have the same thing. You have these qualities. You have your voice. You have your physique. You have the way you think that is unique to you. For someone to try to do that is it's going to be extremely difficult. So it's good to be, to look at people, what they do, particularly nowadays. Back in the day, you can be uh, waiting for the doctor for one hour and I had nothing. And you could think about stuff all the time, right? And you become closer to yourself. Nowadays, the temptation, even when you're uh, waiting for two seconds at the red light, is to take your phone and have somebody else influencing you and giving you stuff in your brain. I, I, I would encourage people just take a break and understand who you are 
And that combination of things is unique to you. There's a reason for that. You have a unique fingerprint. Everything is unique to you. Nobody can have that amount of combination in one person. Embrace that and everybody will want to be like that. And they cannot because there's only one of you. God only made one of you. So you are stronger if you go to the path of being yourself. So in a world where you can be anything, be brave enough to be yourself. That's what I would encourage people to do. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from the man himself. Get in touch with yourself. Love is all we truly need. Frederick, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and sharing your wisdom with the listeners. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Until the next time, your dreams should be real. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.